uh, this was really strange, but Monday morning as I was praying, um, I thought about that. Did How many of you know, did you read in the Tuscaloosa paper about that wind that came through where it was clocked 74 miles an hour and that it was a unusual thing? And when I read that in the paper, I said, you know, that's a, that's a wonder. That's a wonder. Because uh, wonder, the definition of wonder is a sign in the heavens. And I said, you know, that was a wonder. And I just thought about that, and then I didn't think any more about it. But Monday morning, the Lord said um, that that wind that knocked those shingles off of your house, he said, tell Eric those shingles represents his head, and God's going to blow a wind through and change your thinking in some areas, and you're going to be, it's going to totally change your life. And he also told me, he said, and tell him that his brother will be influenced by the changes that happen in him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So that was a good word. And then the God Lord gave me a word for all of us this evening. And he said, uh, tell the church, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. And we know that's a scripture in Revelation chapter 22. And actually that reward is with me. And uh, it, it talks about, uh, it goes on to say, and I will, I'm bringing their assignment. Let me just read it to you because I can't quote it except that first part that the Lord spoke to me. But um, hallelujah. It, the last part of that verse has to do with the millennial reign. Revelation 22, uh, uh, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Not a reward for what your work was, but he's going to give to you according to what your work shall be. And that is your assignment in the millennial reign. And what we do on earth determines now determines what we will be assigned to during the millennial reign of Christ. Hallelujah. That's the thousand year reign when Jesus comes back to reign on the earth for a thousand years. And you're going to have an assignment and you're going to have a job to do. Hallelujah. And it depends on what you do now and not just what you do, but what you know. Hallelujah. You're going to have to know something. And thank Him we got seven years in heaven while we can get caught up on what we know. Hallelujah. You bet. Hallelujah. Get started now on uh, be it having a, a renewed mind. And that's what we're talking about. Uh, tonight is the renewed mind. Do we need to let children go? We do. Hallelujah. They can go to, they can go to children's church. And uh, praise God. Seems like there's something else I need to announce, but hallelujah. Well, we got started barely last week on talking about having a victorious mindset. And hallelujah. That has to do with Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And so if you'll turn there. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And this is a very familiar scripture to us. Hallelujah. Just about any, everybody in here could quote this scripture. Romans 12, 2. And it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, you know, there's really so many places we could start on this. We could start at the fact that we're three-part being. We're spirit, soul, and body. Thessalonians tells us that, that we are a spirit and our spirit man gets saved. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, your spirit man, you become a new creation. You're instantly born again in the twinkling of an eye. Your old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Unfortunately, your soul 
has to go through another process. And that process is called mind renewal. Hallelujah. And so the Bible teaches us to uh, not be not conformed to this world. In other words, to the way the world thinks. Hallelujah. But be renewed uh, in the spirit of our mind. Uh, well, be renewed. Hallelujah. Be by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm mixing scriptures up. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, in your way of thinking, your process of thinking. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we talked about last week about this is more than having Scripture memorized or maybe not even memorized, but knowing Scripture, being familiar with Scripture. You could know Scripture. You could quote half of the New Testament and not really have a renewed mind. Because renewed mind means that you don't just uh, uh, know Jesus, but you think like Jesus thinks. Hallelujah. You think according to the Word of God. And so all of us are in process of a renewed mind, and all of us need more of it. In some areas, in some areas we're more renewed than in others a lot of times. Uh, so this is uh, thinking like Jesus thinks, and then therefore acting like Jesus acts, because we're thinking right, we start acting right, and really it goes to the place of where we don't even have to think to act. In other words, our mind is so renewed in an area that we we do what we do. We do the word without thinking. We don't sit and say, now I'm going to do this. Or something bad comes, we don't think, now I'm going to find a scripture and quote it. No, that's a good step. But the renewed mind, we can, it, just, it just comes out of you. Hallelujah. The way you act just comes out of you. You don't have to think to be a Christian. You are a Christian. I don't ever even have to think about tithing. My mind is renewed. I don't even think about it. I don't even, in fact, I have to remind myself to release faith and declare and decree because I just start writing the check, don't even think about it. Hallelujah. It's just, it's in me. I know I, it's not something I do. It's who I am. Now, I wish every area was like that, but unfortunately, that is one area, though, that I have renewed my mind in. Hallelujah. And uh, I know you have, too. That's, how, that's why this church is able to do as much as it does. So we are want to be that way in every area, though. We want to think like Jesus thinks. We want to be truly renewed. Hallelujah. We don't want to be mediocre in any area. Hallelujah. We don't want to be mediocre families. We don't want to be a mediocre husband or a mediocre wife. We don't want to be mediocre in our other relationships. We don't want to be mediocre in the ministry of helps. We don't want to be mediocre uh, ministers of the gospel. I don't want to be mediocre in any area. And being mediocre comes from being a Christian without a renewed mind. Hallelujah. So uh, uh, when we witness, we want to impart grace and not just information. You know, you can start spouting off scriptures to people and it not minister to them. Hallelujah. Because it's not coming from the spirit. It's just coming from a word you've poked in. Uh, uh, when we read the Bible, we want to not just be reading the Bible, but going after that transformed mind. It's not, I'm going after this. I'm, I want my mind changed in every area. Uh, we, when we want, when we want this transformed mind, we're willing to change. We're willing to learn. We're even willing to be corrected. We quit justifying 
uh, faults and justifying our weaknesses and we quit blaming it on our personality. We quit blaming others. Hallelujah. How, praise God. Um, we quit letting Satan kill, steal, and destroy. You know, Satan never wins in our lives because he's powerful. He does not win because he's powerful. Hallelujah. He wins because we don't have a renewed mind. Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> we want to be to the pastor's been talking about the I am factor and who we are in Christ. That's the place we want to minister to people from is from who we are, not from what we know. Hallelujah. If we know who we are, hallelujah, we're going to operate in a high level of authority. Praise God. We're not going to back away and be scared and want to care what people think and all the things that plague us when it comes to ministry. Um, when we this, this transformed mind we're going towards is going forward instead of looking back. You know, when you've got a renewed mind, you quit looking back and you quit, uh, you know, you can't go forward by looking back. If you think about it, try walking looking back. I've done that a few times. I've actually literally been run over by people in stores that are looking over their shoulder and, and walking. You can't go forward and look back and do it successfully. Well, you know, we're not called to fix our old life. We're called to, to, to find a new one, to find a new life, to find a new way of living. And that's what the transformed mind does. The renewed mind is we live different. We think different. We live different. I found a new way of living. And we just prayed for families. You want to affect your family? Have a renewed mind and let them see a difference in you. Hallelujah. Let them see some victory. Sometimes the first thing they we, we get some scripture and we start whooping them with it with condemnation and guilt. And But if we go and really get a renewed mind, we can love them and they'll see a difference in us. They'll know we are Christians by our love and not by some scriptures we're spouting out of our mouth and being condescending to them. And I've, all, I've been there and you've been there. Hallelujah. Uh, so um, a renewed mind is when we learn to truly repent. Not You know, when you are in true repentance, you have great hope. You know, a lot of people will think, well, true repentance is, is just, oh, God, wailing over what you did and weeping and wailing. Well, you might do that for a few minutes, but you, if you're in true repentance, you come out with great hope. You don't come out in condemnation. You're not living under guilt. Hallelujah. Living under guilt and condemnation is the fruit of an unrenewed mind. You don't know what Jesus did. You don't know the price He paid. And you don't know the power of the blood if you're constantly under condemnation. So um, a renewed mind lives under... Um, uh, lives um, doesn't live under this guilt and condemnation, but lives in great hope. And I tell you something else: true repentance uh, is not uh, smoking a cigarette. Lord, forgive me. Smoking another one. Lord, forgive me. Smoking. You know, we're not really in true repentance when we're doing that. Now, I'm not saying that it's easy to break a habit, but I am saying when you're truly repentant and you want to change something, you pray through. It might take a week, it might take six months, but it's not just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry over again. It's getting before the Lord and praying until something breaks. And that's true repentance. Okay, so also in true repentance, we, when, I'm excuse me, in a renewed mind, in a renewed mind, we don't limit our ministry by what we feel like. 
You know your mind's renewed when you get up to come to, and you come to church anyway. You know your mind's renewed when you witness anyway. You, when you, uh, hallelujah, glory to God. And we don't want you come barfing, don't get me wrong. But uh, I used to tell the kids in Christian school, don't throw up on God's carpet. We had a rule in our Christian school, and we operated by the flag system. We had, they had an American flag and a Christian flag at their desk, a little one. And if you raise one flag, I don't remember the details now, Eric might could tell you, but one flag was permission to get up. But the first of school always had the big talk. If you think you're going to throw up, you do not raise your flag. You go to the bathroom. <laughs> but they couldn't get up for any other reason without raising their flag. Couldn't be out of their seat. I tell you, it was a great discipline. It was learning a great discipline. It was awesome. Christian school was awesome. I'm so great and for it. Hallelujah. But anyway, we have that rule about the about God's carpet. God's carpet. And don't walk across God's grass either. We had a little patch of grass. It's do not walk across God's grass. Stay on the sidewalk. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you find money on the church property, it's God's money. <laughs> Even if you think you lost it at lunch, it was God's money. It's God's money. Once it hits the ground, it's God's. Hallelujah. <laughs> Those kids were so, they would turn that money in. You know, they'd always find a dime or a penny and they'd be turning that money in. Hallelujah. It was good. It was a blessed time. So we don't limit our ministry uh, while we feel to what we feel like, boy, you know what? If we stay there, we'll be there forever. Amen. Hallelujah! So last week we covered one victorious mindset, and the number one one the first one that we covered is not the number one, but it's the first one is the truth makes me free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And so we have to be willing to know truth. We have to be willing for the Holy Ghost to show us truth. We have to be willing. We have to be teachable. We have to be coachable. We have to be, we have to be not just, well, God, if you have to, you could show me something, but I'm in pursuit of truth. I want to know the truth in this area. I'm not ignoring problems. I want to know the truth, even if it incriminates me, even if it means I'm going to have to change something. I mean, the God's good. He's al There's always going to be hope. There's always going to be blessing, but we have to be willing to change. And also, we have to, under this one, we overcome the getting zapped syndrome. In other words, even though we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and we believe strongly in the laying on of hands and that there is impartation and there is deliverance and, and also if, when we lay hands on, we're not sitting around waiting to be zapped. We are pursuing God to know the truth because the truth will make me free. And besides, if all the anointing God had came on you right now, first of all, it'd fry you. But secondly, if you could withstand it, which you can't, but if you could... Did you know if you don't have a renewed mind, you wouldn't be able to sustain the glorious freedom, the glorious thing that God did in your life because the unrenewed mind would pull you right back over to acting just like you always did. 
And that's why Christians just keep acting like sinners. Just keep acting carnal. Just keep living like uh, the, the same way as the sinner do. They keep fighting. You know, a lot of Christians, they're just spending all their time trying to resist temptation. You, If you get a renewed mind, you won't have to spend all your time resisting temptation. You won't be having to, to fight off adultery all the time and, and, and trying to get free from this and trying to get off dope and trying to... You get a renewed mind and I and bless God you'll live on the victory side amen, amen. so uh, we uh, start believing like Jesus not just in Jesus hallelujah too many of the body of Christ they don't ju- they believe in Jesus but they don't believe like Jesus hallelujah so that's what we covered last week and I think we covered it pretty good so let's go to number two uh, victorious mindset the number two victorious mindset is doing small things in a great way. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Doing small things in a great way. And under that, you can write, if you're writing about this, you can write overcoming destination disease. Overcoming destination disease. Matthew 25, 23. And Prester's preached on this before, and I probably have too, but we'll look at it a little different. But destination disease is when, well, when the kids get grown, when I get a better job, hallelujah, when we get this bill paid off, that's destination disease. And you, a lot of people are living in the, well, when this happens, hallelujah. Well, when we get through tax season, hallelujah, when we get... Uh, through, you know, in every, you know, ever there's just some season for everything. You know, well, when we get through Christmas, hallelujah, whatever it is, destination disease. But the victorious mindset is, no, I'm not waiting on a destination. I am right now doing small things in a great way. Matthew 25 and verse 23. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. And the other two gospels say a, a few. One says a very, very few little things. The are very little things. You've been faithful. I'll, you've been faithful over very little things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So this is doing small things in a great way. Helen Keller, she's a good Alabama girl, isn't she? Everybody knows she's from Alabama. Well, I don't know what, why she did, but I, I read this, that she told the Tennessee legislature that when I was young, I always wanted to do great things. But, because, but I couldn't, so I decided to do small things in a great way. And we know she forever, you know, she's remembered. She's gone down in history for the things that she did. So when I was young, I wanted to do great things. I decided to do small things in a great way. Well, you know why it worked for? Because it's Bible. That's the Bible way. The Bible way is not to sit around and wait till I, oh man, I'm called to be a pastor. Oh, but even beyond that, I'm called to be a prophet. I'm called to be a bishop. No, we don't wait around. We do small things. Hallelujah. We do small things in a great way. Hallelujah. Now, Pat, uh, Myron's got a sheet he's going to pass out, and I'll keep going while he does, and wait to read it till he till we get through. Uh, <clears throat> God's training ground is everything that is before us right now. 
Everything at your house, everything in your family, everything at your job, everything that you are assigned to in this church, that is God's training ground for you. That's the little things, the small things that He is looking for you to do faithfully. It's the little things that He's calling you to do in a great way. And the renewed mind is willing to do little things in life in a great way. The unrenewed mind wants to be a big star by the weekend or they're hung up on destination disease. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this, this doing little things in a great way is the key to opening doors to the promises that God has promised you both in the Word but those that He's promised you by prophecy. That's the key to opening the doors is do little things in a great way. And these are the, that is the key also to your destiny. And here's some things about the... Here's some things. I just printed this out for you because uh, I don't want to talk about all of it, but you can read down the mediocre way to do things. In other words, this is some things that you could be doing not in a great way. And then this is some things that's the great way to do those things. For instance, waiting until tomorrow. But the great way is today is full of potential. Hallelujah. Being selectively respectful is, uh, is the mediocre way, but having high levels of respect is the great way. And these are good things that you can uh, use for your children too. Uh, being motivated by crisis instead of being motivated by vision. You know, had you ever noticed somebody get a crisis in their family and all of a sudden they got a prayer life? Yep. Hallelujah, man, oh God, we go, oh my God, <laughs> got to pray. And so they get on the phone and they don't even really pray. They just start the chain. And the chain really don't pray. They just call the next one on the chain. Hallelujah. That's why James says, and Brother Hagin, oh boy, he drilled it in us. If it says, is any of you afflicted? In James, let him pray. Hallelujah. Praise God. But you won't know how to pray if you wait for the crisis. So, hallelujah. Complaining is a mediocre way. Uh, believing in the power of your past prayers. I'm not going to complain about this because I have already prayed and believed. Hallelujah. On, Being a people pleaser versus pleasing God. Pleasing people is the mediocre way. Hallelujah. And it's, it's a failure waiting to happen. Because if you try to please everybody, you won't please anybody. Because wait, number one, you'll have way too much to do. And so you'll do it all mediocre and they'll all be mad at you because you didn't do it good and you didn't do it on time. Hallelujah. You do what is expected instead of eating, exceeding expectations. If you are living right on the only what is expected, just enough to get by, you know, always a day late and a dollar short. That's what my mama used to say. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah. Hallelujah. Rarely enthusiastic versus regularly enthusiastic. We want to see some enthusiasm around here. Hallelujah. Easily discouraged. And instead of looking at discouragement as my enemy. And I refuse to be discouraged. I got so much more to be encouraged about. Uh, rarely encourages people. Some people are so miserly with their compliments and their encouragement for other people. We're called to be exhorters. 
And that and exhorters, what do they do? They encourage. And everybody in this church needs encouragement. In our ministries, we need encouragement. We need encouragement. We just need encouragement. And encouragement is wonderful. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. That's what the Bible says. And I know it's true because I tell you, there's been people that gave me words of encouragement and it pulled me up to another level of faith and rejuvenated my faith and Hallelujah. So be a frequent encourager. We all need to be cheerleaders. Boy, we can cheer the University of Alabama on, but are you cheering the Christian zone? Hallelujah. uh, The mediocre way is planning to be on time. The great way is planning to be early. The mediocre way is messy. The great way is taking time to organize. Mediocre way is non-adaptable, but the great way is very adaptable. Hallelujah. Learning to, to take things and be flexible and, and flow with what comes right. is still in a victorious way instead of having a meltdown right. when the crisis comes. Company's right. coming and the sewer line breaks or something and you go into a meltdown and you go into witch mode and you, <laughs> you rim out, you, you know, hallelujah. Like Anita said uh, that Eric and her were on a diet one time and they got so hungry they turned on each other. I don't think she meant they ate each other, but they were just like, and, uh, and so sometimes when the crisis comes, we, hallelujah, we turn on it, you know, and I can, I can preach this because honey, I know it. I know it. Hallelujah. You can't find anybody else to eat out. Just eat your husband out. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. My mama said I used to kick the dog. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. That was the only, you know, when you're an only child, you don't have a little brother to beat up. When you're when you have brothers and sisters, if you get frustrated, just beat one of them. <laughs> no, I'm not saying this, youth. I'm not saying that. Okay, uh, being a thermometer instead of a thermostat. A thermometer comes in the room and takes the temperature and says, "Man, this is a bad day." But a thermostat comes in and says, "I'm gonna raise the level of this place." Bless God, y'all are getting out of the dumps. I'm putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then problems, the mediocre way, problems are obstacles, but when we have a renewed mind, problems are just opportunities. And hallelujah, you know most problems are, I'm not saying all problems, but a lot of problems that we consider problems are so pitifully inconsequential that it's why am I upset over this? Hallelujah. And also praise God, are easily solved. So doing things in a great way. Now, still talking about this, um, having a do small things in a great way. This affects every area of our life. And for women, it affects their home and their housework and those things. And so a lot of times we disqualify ourselves because we haven't even learned the basics of this word, which says to be a keeper of the home, that a woman is called to be a keeper of the home. Well, there's this lady, and I just want to use her as a point. Uh, she's on the internet, and she's wrote several books, and she's called the fly lady. Did anybody ever hear of her? 
I think I've mentioned her once or twice. But anyway, the fly lady has these books, and and she was one of those that her house was a teetotal wreck. The laundry was piled up to her, her head, and, uh, you know, it was just like she's always behind. She's, you know, she doesn't get dressed till 11 o'clock in the morning. She's just, you know, nothing's working right. And she decided she wanted to change. She didn't want to live like that. I'm not going to tell you the whole book. But... She figured out a system. Now, millions of women are following this lady, and and she is helping them to come out from under that and to do small things in a great way. And here's the funny part. she ha- This is the point I want. She tells them to start with their kitchen sink. And do not go to bed with uh, until you scrub the kitchen sink. And her theory is, and I think she's probably right, that if you don't get up to dirty dishes in the morning, oh, what do y'all love to get up to dirty dishes sitting in the sink? And if your shit kitchen sink is shiny, and then if you will start from there and then begin to do other little things in a great way that you will then all of a sudden your life will come into order and now i'm i can't verify this but she declares and says that she has had thousands of women write to her and say my husband was a slob he wouldn't do anything my children wouldn't do anything but when i begin to implement these steps see a lot of women won't sit around and blame other people oh well my husband won't do anything he's a lazy slob did you know that doesn't change what the word says about you and I don't care what's your husband. I don't care if he's an alcoholic. I don't care what he is. You're still called to live in victory and live the Bible. And so anyway, uh, she said, when that, those women will write to her and tell her, when I got up and I started doing just the small things, all of a sudden, my husband would get up. He got up and he started doing things. But that, I believe that's because the woman's the keeper of the home and the woman is the thermostat of the home. She controls the atmosphere of the home, of whether it's happy, whether it's what's going on in the home as far as atmosphere is definitely set by the woman. You know, there's a saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's because you're the thermostat. Hallelujah. And so... And she, boy, they write in every day because she's got a blog and everything. They write in and say, well, I started doing this. And then one night I had to go to a meeting and I came home and it was 1130. And I came home and my husband had already cleaned the sink. And I'm like, ah, she said, I about fell out. And she, you know, she tells them, first thing you do when your feet hit the floor, make the bed. Before, before you do anything. You can't do anything until you make the bed. Then you go and you brush your teeth and you get fully dressed and put your shoes on. Because she said, as long as you got your pajamas on, you think you're resting. <laughs> and that's why you don't get anything done. And so she's got all these things of doing great little things in a great way. Now, if you want to read about Fly Lady, it's fine with me. But I'm just making the point that she's proved this out. She's made a system out of it and made a bunch of money in the process. She's a Christian too. Okay, number three, victorious mindset, is having done all I know to do, I stand. Now you all know that scripture. Ephesians 6.13, in case you don't know. How many are hot in here? Raise your hand if you're hot. Raise your hand if you're cold. Hallelujah. One cold, no hots, and 
Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then it gives, having your loins girt about with truth, and it gives us the armor of God. So having done all I know to do, I stand. And what we're overcoming in this one is overcoming being drained by unresolved situations. I believe that all of us, a certain amount, would have more energy. We're being drained mentally, emotionally, and physically by unresolved situations in our life. And the thing about it is, some of them could be easily resolved just by taking action. Just by making a decision. Just by getting up and getting going. Pastor always says, you can't steer a parked car. When you get up and take steps, God can start to direct you. As long as you've got it in park, you're in the valley of indecision, the valley of, of just, I'm just paralyzed by indecision here, then God's not going to be able to steer you. But if you'll start moving towards something, pretty soon you will be able to feel in your heart if you're going right or the way or if you need to veer a little this other way or whatever. So there's unresolved issues that uh, we need to overcome them. There are lingering problems that need to be dealt with. There's problems with another person and we'll talk about how to deal with some of these things. Uh, where there's Sometimes there's circumstances that haven't changed in a long time. There's emotional struggles that we've never faced and we've never dealt with. There's things that are turning over and over in your mind. Now, this is a one that really helped me, this right here, because I am one of those that will, that will turn something over and over and work it in my mind. And it can be something as insignificant as a birthday party. And I'll work that birthday party to hallelujah. And when I begin to get a hold of this, I begin to say, Debbie, and first of all, I'm not an indecisive person. Not really. Not compared to most people I know. Usually I have an opinion about everything. <laughs> and, but um, but I'm, sometimes we just let the devil trap us by something little. Like, well, I can't do that till I do this. And so and I can't do, and, and so we need to find out what the, what the thing we're revolving around in our mind is and what it is it's waiting on to make the decision and then go do what it's waiting on in order to make the decision. Sometimes it's just, I need to call this person. I need to set the date. I need to do this. Okay. And so these are things that are wearing us out, weighing us down, making us feel overloaded. Uh, uh, worrying also would be included here and unmade decisions. So uh, in the scripture, God gives us two steps to, be over, to overcome being drained by unresolved situations. Is Number one is do all we know to do. And that means... Take the time to pray. A lot of times we're worrying over something we've just really never prayed about. We've just never said, sometimes we've said, I need to pray about that. Or sometimes we just have, you know, it's uh, something that is not super spiritual, like maybe you're having a party or maybe whatever. And you've just never went before the Lord and said, I'm going to pray about this. But did you know that if it matters to you, it matters to God. And so in every area of life, he's interested in helping you. Hallelujah. So the number one is do all we know to do. Take the time to pray. Seek God for wisdom. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, let, let him ask of God. 
and then take action. And one of the things I want to put in here is right now is to say, get your faith around it. Take the necessary steps to be healed of any emotional wounds that are keeping you paralyzed. If you have an unresolved situation with the person, don't carry it year after year, month after month. Resolve, talk to them. And sometimes we're just so afraid of the outcome of the talk, but we, you, we need to take the situation. If we have a problem with a person, we need to talk to them and take it to the next level. And many times it's easily resolved with the person. Many times it's, it's, it's so, hallelujah. But procrastination about dealing with problems that we have with other people can tie you up for years. There are people that haven't spoken to people in 30 years just because nobody will take the step to just talk. And a lot of times you see on these talk shows or something, when they finally do talk, you find out both of them wanted to have a reunion. They wanted to come back together. Hallelujah. But one of the things for sure is you have to get the ball out of your court. And if you go to them and you confess or you... Say, if you even say, you know, this hurt my feelings. Hallelujah. So these are things that, these are ways. you got to pray out the details. But I'm telling you, don't carry around unresolved situations. Because first of all, it's a product of an unrenewed mind. Number two is that it'll hold you up in your spiritual growth. Till you don't grow, you don't move, you don't increase. Hallelujah. You've got to deal with everything. Say, I've got to deal with everything. Hallelujah. And some of us just don't like to deal with it. Does anybody really like to? But do all of us have to at some point or another? I'm a firm believer that husbands and wives should confront every issue. A lot of people just like to, oh, let's just forget that and sweep it under the rug. But I think it stays there and it festers. And I think then when you've been married 40 years, all of a sudden you just don't have any feelings or any like for each other and you don't even know why. But you've just swept so much junk under the rug and overlooked so many things. If you want to keep the love fires burning, you're going to have to have a lot of, of talking and a lot of repentance. And you know, men aren't mind readers and neither are women. Sometimes, you know, if it hurts, they don't even know it. Hallelujah. Number two is stand. And stand does not mean just doing nothing. You know, you can try to stand, but if you hadn't dealt with it, you won't be standing. First, you got to deal with it. Do all you know to do. Then you stand. And uh, in, when, in the standing, you purpose to not be moved by what God is working out. After you've done what you know to do, you have to let God work it out. And you just stand then. And you, while you're standing, you fight the good fight of faith. You cast down imaginations. You refuse to worry. You discipline yourself to take every thought captive. While you're standing, you're trusting you're resting, you're thanking, and you're obeying. Hallelujah. So I'm going to give you three things here to do with what's bugging you. Number one, first of all, you've got to figure out what's bugging you. And, and sometimes I just have to sit down and write down. I have done that before. Just sit down and wrote down, okay, I'm just not able to settle down. I'm not able to pray. I'm distracted. Just something's just bugging me. Okay, what's bugging me? And just write down. And I might write down five things right then that are just on my mind. Another way to say it is maybe what, you know, do you ever have somebody say, uh, I've got a lot on my mind? 
Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So sit down and write down everything that's on your mind. And then ask yourself about each one, is this out of my control? And be honest. Sometimes we'd like to say, oh, there's nothing I can do about this when there truly is. Hallelujah. Number two, is the timing right for this? You know, something might be bugging you like, and you might maybe your kid's a freshman in high school and it's bugging you, how am I going to send this kid to college? Well, number one, it's not time for it. You just say, this is not the right, this is, I, this is out of timing. But the devil will get you worrying about things that'll be, that are 10 years from now. How am I going to stand it when my kids leave? I don't know how I'm going to be able to stand it. I can tell you, you'll be ready. <laughs> That's why you go, the, the, the little years, you don't know how you'll stand it. Then the teenage years, you, I can stand this. <laughs> Hallelujah. This will be fine. Hallelujah. Praise God, I want you to go earn your own living. Hallelujah. I want you to have a paycheck. Glory to God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Don't you just love it when those people write into Abby and say, Our 36 year old son's still living with us. How do I get him out? You know? So find out if the timing's right. Uh, number three, today, not tomorrow, but today, take small steps, at least three. Because, you know, you could be stalled out and you need to just get moving. You know, if, if you're just running over and over and over in your mind trying to plan uh, something for the weekend or something like that, take three small steps today. Do, th do something ahead of time that'll lighten the load, make you feel like I've, I've got this thing under control now. Number four, ask for God's help to resolve every issue in your mind. So tonight, I want you to write down on your paper there, and I'm not going, we're not going to pass these around and read them out loud, thank heavens, but I want you to write down three things that's bugging you. Hallelujah. What did you worry over or just at least rehearse, go over and over and over? Did you ever rehearse what you were going to talk, tell somebody? Boy, when they get home, I'm going to tell them this and I'm going to tell them that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can spend a half a day doing that if, if I don't get it under. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. we got to get a victorious mind. And a victorious mind does not take up its time doing those kind of things hallelujah so write three things down that are bugging you and if not if you have nothing bugging you well we're going to set you stand up here at the front and you're going to come up here and, and you're going to lay hands on all of us hallelujah praise god and then I, then you need to ask yourself hallelujah is this really out of my control is this to i've done everything i know to do and this is totally out of my control i can't do anything i've prayed i've done everything I've talked to the necessary people. And if it's truly out of your control, mark it out. And, and start resisting the devil and tell him you're not going to think about it. Hallelujah. And then, hallelujah, ask yourself, is the timing right for this? And if the timing's not right, uh, mark it out. And just, you know, pray to be ready at the right time. And, you know, sometimes it can be something in the past that you're rehearsing. Well, he said, he said this, and, and he said that, and, and they said this, and hallelujah. You need to pray, resolve the situation, 
and get rid of that. Deal with it once and for all. And once you've dealt with it, once you've been forgiven, once you've need, if you need to repent, do it. And once you've uh, talked with someone, talk to them if if need be. Maybe you can't talk to them; they're already gone to be with Jesus or something. Then you know maybe you need maybe God will obey God. Maybe you need to talk to somebody else. Just get it off your heart. But then you need to leave it in the past and don't ever pick it up again. It's just a matter of self discipline. Is all it is. It's a matter of casting down imaginations. It's a matter of not looking back, not letting the devil bring up your sorry past. You're not looking to fix your past. You're looking to have to find. You're finding a new life, a new way of living. Hallelujah! So don't rehearse all the bad things in your old marriage. And hallelujah, or even the bad things that happened last week in your new marriage. <laughs> hallelujah! Put the past in the past. And then I want you to take some steps today, tonight when you get home. I know one step you can take tonight is pray. You may not be in do anything else, but if something that's bothering you is that your house is just dirty, and it'll bother me if my house is dirty. It'll bother me no end. Hallelujah. It'll bother me if sometimes it'll sometimes I can't pray because something's sitting out of place. I know y'all think that's crazy, but Hallelujah. It'll just, I have to get up and put it where it goes. So I don't have to, because if it's out of order, hallelujah. I tell pastor, he, he, I, you know, I'll be praying and he's laid a ladder under uh, our little awning outside and that ladder will distract me praying because it's out of place. <laughs> well, it's raining. He didn't want to take the ladder to the shop or whatever. You know, he's not just hallelujah, but I can be distracted. You can be distracted. So if that's something that's distracting you, go home and do three things tonight. Hallelujah. Scrub this kitchen sink if you can't, you know, they'll make you feel good. Hallelujah. And then uh, tonight before you go to bed, ask God to help you resolve every unresolved issue. You know, sometimes we've just got too much stuff that you're, you're trying to catch up on something you could never catch up on if Jesus stayed gone 1,000 more years. You still wouldn't be caught up. Like, you know how you get a pile of magazines and you don't want to throw them away till you go through them again and, and look at the, and pick out the articles? I've got a word from the Lord from you. Tonight, put them in the dumpster. Hallelujah. There's enough revelation. And besides, every... Let me tell you something's going to amaze you, but all the world's revelation is dark to some degree or another. Hallelujah. So, that's a good way. Pastor's been working on iTunes, and he's got all this. And iTunes is very cranky. iTunes loves things you buy from them. It does not love things you put in there that are not from iTunes. Hallelujah. That's just a little tip there. Hallelujah. So iTunes will just, because it's mad at you for putting things in there that they didn't, you didn't pay for, uh, it will just sometimes just scramble them. Or, and you know, or just lose them. It's like, this file cannot be found. Oh, yeah. Uh, regular like. You know. This is not a, an obscure, it only happens to Debbie problem. Hallelujah. And uh, so my suggestion to pastor, he's like, got to straighten out iTunes. And he was wanting to straighten it out before he did something else that we're doing together. And he's like, I straighten out iTunes, got to straighten out iTunes. And I said, listen, you've got every, every one of those teachings on a hard drive. I've got a good idea. Just go to iTunes and say, delete. 
and start over. And there's a lot, some of you need to hit the delete button on a lot of things. Because if Jesus were to tarry, you still couldn't get caught up. And you're letting yourself be pressed down by things that, you know, you think things matter more than they matter. Hallelujah. I know one time we had a neighbor in West Texas, and, and uh, of course that was at a time when we needed stuff for our house, and she burned the beans, and we have dumpsters in the alley in West Texas, you know, and everybody shares a dumpster, like four families will share one dumpster. So she just threw the bean pot away. It burnt, they were burned on the bottom, she just threw it away. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's, you know, Better than going into some sort of hysteria and splitting the family or something. Throw the darn bean pot in the trash. <laughs> but Pastor got it out and he likes to clean and he cleaned it all up. And we're still using the bean pot. I thought about that bean pot the other day. I'm like, man, I hope she wasn't cooking lye soap or something in that. <laughs> no. Hallelujah. So how, anybody need prayer tonight? Anybody have some unresolved situation in... You just need some, you need an extra boost of the Holy Spirit to face it. Hallelujah. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Anybody need healing in their body? Let's ask the Holy Ghost about that. You need heat. Got two healings. Okay, y'all come up. <laughs>